This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Hello, hello, good evening, everybody. My name is Nimrod Mbele, and, and welcome to Beyond Governance. Um, what a beautiful day it is today. Um, I like often say, in South Africa is a beautiful country that we never, ever get bored. There's so much that is happening um, today, and, and for all it's worth, let's just hope the political dust will settle to a point where ordinary South Africans really uh, begin to uh, put the shoulders on the wheel on, on, on matters that really matter. Uh, let me thank uh, Howard Feldman, Sasha Starr, and the rest of the team for keeping you guys entertained. Um, as always, I'm not falling, I'm not flying solo. I'm with Vusi here, who would be ensuring that the show uh, live up to the expectations. Um, Vusi, my brother, how are you? Thanks, Thank you very much, Mavasana. Uh, tonight on the show, we, we're really talking about the, 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 the subject that is very close to my heart and pretty much close to most of our hearts, uh, which is that of education. Uh, we understand that the, the education fraternity, as it were, it's not really giving us the, the, the results we all desire. And there are a number of factors which uh, account for the status quo. Uh, and tonight I brought in a specialist uh, in, in um, parental involvement uh, and com- parental and community involvement in education. Um, his name is Mzoli Nganga. Uh, Mzoli has published papers in scientific journals. Uh, he presented papers in conferences at international uh, level. Uh, he's, um, um, he did his uh, graduate studies at Forte, uh, postgraduate diploma in, in, in education uh, at the university called Umia in, uh, in Sweden. Sweden, if, yes. Sweden, yes, oh yes. And, and, and he did his master's at the University of uh, uh, um, um, is it, uh, Unity uh, in Australia. Uh, or Newcastle, so I beg your pardon, Newcastle in Australia. Uh, so, so Mzoli is pretty much uh, in a position to give us um, in-depth understanding of some of these things that makes it difficult for relevant stakeholders to participate in education. The reason why I brought this topic tonight is that most of us who are privileged uh, often forget the basics, often really forget to to interrogate some of the barriers which hinders uh, effective uh, participation of all the stakeholders in education. So, so for me, it's quite important that um, as we go along and, and really unpacking this rather complex and dynamic uh, topic, we're bringing people who have um, a clear understanding of what are these barriers uh, without any wasting of time. Uh, not to say I'm in a space of wasting time. Uh, one, one of my boss once said to me uh, in, in, in not so uh, long uh, ago, um, in Mzoli, uh, let me take this opportunity to welcome you. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Mpele. How are you, my brother? I'm fine, Dr. Mbele. I'm very well. Thank you. And how are you uh, in this uh, lovely afternoon? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Nimrod will suffice for, for, for our purpose. Um, let, let's, let's eliminate the, the social distance. Uh, Mzoli, uh, one of the critical issues that, that we, from time to time we, we come across, it is that of um, lack of vested, vested interest. Majority of, of stakeholders, in, 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 in particular parents, don't seems to display the requisite vested interests, especially in the education of their children. Uh, based on what you have done 
uh, either via presentation or the kind of work that you do on a day-to-day basis. How do we account for lack of vested interest? And secondly, how do we cultivate it? Uh, thank you so much, Nimrod. And uh, before I go straight into answering your question, let me um, thank uh, uh, this opportunity from, from uh, your station and also to, to greet the, the, the listeners at home. Yes, indeed, uh, the vested interest seems to be lacking generally uh, in terms of uh, having parental and community involvement in education and in terms of having the community structures involved in education, there seems to be a, a general lack of apathy in that uh, particular regard. And what are the reasons for that? You know, what are the reasons? We have to uh, interrogate uh, the, 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 this, uh, this problem. Now, one of the key reasons, uh, in, my, in my opinion, is that uh, many of, the, of, of, of our stakeholders have a certain mandate. And to be involved in education is not part of the mandate. They have a program. Let's take churches, for instance. They have uh, what you would call a spiritual mandate in each community. Uh, But to really uh, go further than that is something that needs to be cultivated. Uh, Let's also take, for example, our uh, political leadership, your counselors and so forth. Uh, what you would call local governance, we find that uh, they are not as as involved as they are. And mainly because it's the same reason. They have a program, and the question is, how do we infuse or how do we incorporate uh, this, uh, this aspect of community involvement in education? How do we infuse it in, in, their, in their programs? That is the, that, that is the key question. And there are many ways, you know, in which uh, in which we can try to do that. Uh, for example, we have NGOs that are trying to cultivate community interest in education. So the, 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 these uh, NGOs should go into each of these stakeholders, identify them by name, and say, well, you are in this community, and this is the work that you are doing, and we have schools in this community. Do you have a program to support schools? Do you have a program to be involved in the education of this community? I'll give you an example. Some churches have an education desk, which is um, normally led by the youth, uh, the, by the youth uh, section of the church. Uh, I think that is a very important um, uh, um, uh, platform that we should think about introducing, not just in the churches, but also in the other uh, community structures. You know, we have many structures in the community, we have many stakeholders. And I should also add that even the other churches should be involved uh, in this, should be encouraged, to, should be motivated uh, to introduce this concept of education desks to have, uh, say, for example, an annual program for education. So that's what I think, um, um, that's one of the things that I think uh, we, we, we can do. Thank yes. you very much, uh, um, Zoe, uh, on, on that account. Uh, but one thing that, that, that you have alluded to, um, with which perhaps maybe you could shed some light uh, on 
um, on 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 why some most stakeholders, um, you know, you talk of mandates. Yes. Um, education is everybody's mandate. E- education is vessel. You know, mm. the fact that um, education is not seen as the core mandate of other the church, traditional leaders, parent association, and so on and so forth, it's problematic. It is, indeed. You know, because ultimately, um, you know, education, it, it is at the heart of any um, community, any society, any country. Therefore, we can't divorce education on a basis that it is not part of our mandate. That kind of, of uh, orientation is it, quite flawed, um, um, but, but I'm sure you must have picked it up. Yes, um, how, how do we get to a point where these kind of, of mandates, first and foremost, consider education as integral part of their existence? Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. You see, um, this focus on the core mandate of the, of the structure or of the, organiza- of the organization is uh, not doing justice, not just to education, uh, Nimrod, even to other um, um, uh, community uh, develop- development initiatives. Education, we just happened today to be talking about education. What we need to do is to encourage each of these uh, stakeholders to have a community development program. Now, education will fall into that. Yes, you are quite correct. Education is not just the mandate of the government. It is not just the mandate of the schools. It is the, the, a societal issue. We should all become involved. But I want to stretch it a little bit and say uh, the culture that we should, uh, we should cultivate is a culture where each and, each and every entity in the community is an embedded uh, member of the community. <laughs> Once you become embedded in your community, whether you are a businessman, whether you are a traditional leader, then anything that happens in the community, the challenges that are faced by that particular community should be your own challenge. That is the kind of, uh, of culture that needs to be cultivated in our communities. It needs to be cultivated within our institutions. It needs to be cultivated in our community stakeholders. So that is why I, 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 I was emphasizing the role that is currently played by NGOs to go... But let's take a step back, uh, yeah. Mzo. Mm. NGO, yes, agree, they have got a particular role to play. But let's just spend a minute or two on the role of a parent. First and foremost, you as a parent have the responsibility to ensure that your child goes to school, um, attends the homework, and whether issues you're able to interface with the school uh, uh, up to a point where you understand exactly where the child are. This is where we need to start from, mm. uh, because when once one might argue that the more you talk about external uh, uh, and influences and, and, and stakeholders, you're almost abdicating responsibility. Where are we, as from, from a parent's point of view? Why most parents are not taking the responsibility of ensuring that their kids um, attend to the basics? Before you respond to that, let's take let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 23 after 6. I'm joined in studio by Mzo Mnanga, who is a specialist in parent and community involvement in education. Before we enter the break, the question I put before him is, is, is why parents in particular? Because it is well and good to, to talk about stakeholders. 
um, uh, from 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 a characterization point of view, it is useful. When you do a metric, it is useful. But at some point, we need to say this is where the buck stop. In 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 a family household, parents are ultimately responsible. The question that I put before you or to you, so is why most parents are not taking responsibility. Why teachers who are burdened by 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 so many factors. Typically, in, in, in public school, the ratio is 1 is to 50 in some instances. And, and over and above that, this, this, this teacher has to uh, uh, come to terms with, with different competencies. Some learners are, are gifted, some are, are not so gifted, some are uh, somewhere in between. And over and above that, they've been burdened by, by issues around homework. Mm-hmm. Surely, they can't be. Let's look at the parents. Why most parents are not involved and what can be done for them to take ownership? Mm. Yes, Nimrod, uh, and you are quite correct. Uh, this is what you are saying is actually supported even by scientific research that the majority of parents, especially in, in, in socially, socioeconomically disadvantaged uh, societies, they are not as involved as they should. Uh, they should be in the education of their children. That is a, a correct uh, observation. We cannot argue that. But we must also uh, co- understand that there are many factors that uh, we must consider which really affect uh, parental involvement in education. Let's take for example. Let's look at the history, for example, of South Africa. You know, in the 1800s, the go- gold and diamond were discovered, and what happened after that? Many men from the villages, uh, from the townships, and fro- from wherever moved into the places of employment, and it was men who were leaving families behind. And now many people might think, no, that has changed. There are many uh, men, particularly, who live away from their children, living behind uh, single-parent-headed households. Now, that means the family structure is not adequate to support children. The family structure is not adequate to support schools. That is a, a very serious problem which is very endemic in the South African context. And you might also want to look at, at the rate of migrancy. Many people, especially young, uh, young couples, are all, always on the move. And when you are always on, on the move, it would mean that your level of support to your child, uh, your nature of involvement in the education of your child is influenced by the fact that you are always on the move. So there are many factors that we must look into which really affect parental involvement in education. Now, looking at the case uh, of South Africa again, the disease factor. Uh, We know that uh, HIV and AIDS is a very serious concern in in this country. Uh, That means there are many households with sick parents. And in fact, there are children who who are taking care of sick parents, and that has a very serious impact on the child's uh, prospects in life, not just on, on the level of, uh, of, atten- of school attendance, just on the prospects in life. So we have these factors that we must take very, very uh, seriously before we start pointing fingers and saying that uh, there are parents who are disinterested in their children's education. Now, Coming to the to your second question, what can be done? What can we do in order to improve 
uh, the involvement of parents in education. Schools have a, 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 a very important role to play in this regard. The question is, are our teachers adequately trained uh, or prepared when they join the, 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 the teaching profession? Are they adequately trained to engage parents, to engage uh, communities, particularly parents from disadvantaged communities? You know, there's a, there was a study that was published uh, recently uh, by UNESA on this topic, on parental involvement in education. They found that parents feel inferior when they have to deal with teachers. Now, how do the teachers meet the parents halfway, particularly parents from the, from the low, lower socioeconomic backgrounds? That is something that we have to take very seriously. It has to be infused in the preparation of teachers by the universities. How do you deal with parents of a certain, from a certain community? How do you deal with parents from a certain socioeconomic background? So that is one way in which we can deal uh, with this problem. And the, and, the, and the second way, you see, the, in each school, there is this uh, organ called the SGB, School Governing Body. What is the mandate of the School Governing Body? The mandate of the School Governing Body is to represent the interests of parents in the schools and also in the education system as a whole. But beyond that, the school governing body has a mandate to communicate with parents. To what extent is that happening? Because we understand, even from research, that in some communities, the SGB, the school governing body members, almost represent themselves and to some extent their own interests, individual interests. So there's a lot of work that should be done uh, around uh, th- this uh, this topic, starting with the preparation of teachers, coming now to this organ called school governing body, as well as other stakeholders which we alluded al- alluded to earlier. No, thank you very much for that uh, input, Mzo. I think um, I pretty much agree with you. For those who have just joined us, I'm joined in studio by Mzo Nganga, who is a specialist in parent and community involvement in education. Uh, you're more than welcome to drop us uh, your view on, on 34519. My email address is nimrod at highfm.co.za. And, of course, our Twitter handle is at highfm. Moving forward, um, Mzo, one of the issues that you have alluded to is the role of the school government body, um, which has to take that responsibility of presenting the interests uh, of the learner and of the community. Uh, but you have said um, in your, in your uh, earlier uh, statement that this is not happening. Why do we have structures that are supposedly meant to serve as the custodians of uh, education but failing? Uh, you see, within the mandate, let's take uh, the issue of SGB further. Within the mandate of the SGB, uh, they have to to be involved in the running of the school, uh, in the in, in the infrastructure, maintaining the infrastructure of the school. They have to play a finance role, you know, within the school. Uh, you know, one of the weaknesses of the system is that many of the people in certain uh, roles within the SGB. To have not received adequate training. 
There are crash courses here and there, but are those uh, courses adequate uh, for the for these members uh, of the school community to execute their duties? I would say no. They are not adequate. They do not receive adequate training. So that is why even though you have a structure in place which is supposed to address a particular issue, but you find that this issue remains, uh, the, the status quo remains. But whose responsibility is that? It's well enough to say um, they are not adequately trained, but whose responsibility is that? Surely that's a government responsibility. Surely um, um, all the structures that are in place, for an example, when you look at recruitment and selection, of governing bodies, uh, members. You don't just pick up anybody. You look at the profile of this individual and you juxtapose it with the, the, the delivery requirement and say, is there fit for purpose? You can't come back and say uh, they, are, they are not adequately trained when the selection process was flawed. Surely somebody has to make sure that we understand, firstly, what is the profile of this particular portfolio within SGB? If we're going to bring Zoe in our fold, we yes. have to match Zoe's skill sets mm-hmm. with the requirements for him to deliver. Okay? Can I interrupt you? Sure. Uh, unfortunately, you see that the whole process doesn't favor uh, your assertion. It's a democratic process where everybody stands a chance to be elected. We can now point a finger at the system itself. The, the, the selection system of, an, of a school governing body uh, uh, representatives. It is a body that is constituted of ordinary parents. That is a, a major problem within that body. Any parent in the community, irrespective of, uh, a skill, of the skill set that the parent is in position of, irrespective of uh, the level of education of the parent or the previous uh, previous work experience that is not taken into account maybe that is a flaw in in in, in most of the democratic processes you know so 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 that is a, a problem within the system that means it needs to be addressed at systemic level now the going back to training the training even if the training in itself was, uh, it has all the necessary elements, do the school governing body members possess the, uh, the, the requisite skills to, to attain that training? You know, that is, that is a problem within the system because at the moment as it stands, uh, there is no uh, certain uh, criteria to, to, for the selection of school governing body members. We clearly have got a long way to go then yeah. uh, because um, one would understand that when um, there's a selection process um, because of, I mean, you know, one of the issues that perhaps maybe we, we need to understand and unpack is that the, the school governing body landscape, it's not so new anymore. We have had few, as a matter of fact, in March, there's going to be new sets of um, uh, election for SGBs nationwide. And these are things that perhaps maybe uh, as you go and, and do what you do on a day-to-day basis, uh, flag these issues because they're, they're quite important. Mm-hmm. Because SGBs are meant to, to, to interface between the school and the parents and ensure that issues of parental involvement, for an example, are being attended to. For an example, one of the issues you said, um, you know, the, the, the SGBs are not preserving or presenting the interest uh, mm-hmm. of the school 
which means they don't have the best interest of the school at heart, but it's almost like self-preservation type of environment. Um, how vast is this kind of a session, or is it is it one 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 of those? Um, this is uh, a scenario that we have observed uh, across uh, many schools in, here in South Africa. Uh, I'll just give you one example. We know that in many cases, uh, the, the school governing body members are involved in the selection of teachers for senior positions. You see? <laughs> Which again takes me back to my earlier assertion about how qualified uh our school governing body members to uh, execute these duties. And you see, going back now to the issue of vested interest, we know that in our communities, uh, people know each other, especially in the villages. So it is easy for people, you know, who are looking uh, for upward career mobility to take advantage of the vulnerability of our uh, school governing body members so that they can parachute them into uh, positions uh, of responsibility, you see. So I think this uh, this problem is quite widespread in the country. Uh, this is a, something that we have to look into. And I understand that there is a, a discussion at, at uh, the national government level to review uh, the roles and the responsibilities of the school governing bodies. And that would mean that this, uh, this is not just an assertion that is in the media. It is uh, an assertion which is very well observable. It has al also been uh, picked up even uh, uh, by government. And another thing, you see, uh, the school governing body members are very much involved, you know, in, in supply chain uh, of in, in, at the micro level, you know, within their schools. And there's a lot of, uh, of uh, a misappropriation, you know, that you, you that is quite observable in, a, a, at that level. So instead of uh, representing the interest of the parents or the interest of the community and the learners, we find that people, due perhaps due to their vulnerability, they find themselves exposed uh, uh, to some unscrupulous uh, actions, you know, that are introduced into the system. One of the critical stakeholders, <coughs> I beg your pardon, one of the critical stakeholders which, um, in my view, is missing, particularly when you look at public education um, um, in, the, in the rural um, setup, mm. it is that of traditional leadership. Uh, rural and peri-rural setup, traditional leadership was where the, the, the traditional uh, system is still very much prevalent. Um, is it correct to assume that traditional leaders are not uh, living up to the expectation, or they are indeed doing what they're supposed to do insofar as elevating uh, the conversation around education as part of their daily discourse. Uh, I would uh, I would think that traditional leaders uh, are not uh, really uh, playing the role that they have the potential to play. Uh, I would not just put. Uh, all traditional leaders in just one big basket. You know, I know they are traditional uh, authorities, 
uh, that are very much involved uh, in education. But by and large, the majority of our traditional uh, leaders uh, are playing very, very minimal or peripheral roles uh, in the education of their community. And I think there is uh, quite a lot, you know, that they can do to support uh, to support schools. And I also think that they can use their authority within their constituency to hold certain uh, departments, government departments, accountable for 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 the services that they are providing in their community in their communities. Because you know, it's easy for uh, for government uh, departments or government officials to approach traditional leaders when they need to. Now, it should be a reciprocal action. Traditional leaders should use their authority to hold state agencies accountable for the services, particularly the education service that is offered in the, com- in the communities in which uh, the traditional leaders uh, have authority. So they, they really do have a role to play. But unfortunately... Uh, like other community stakeholders, we see that uh, they are not uh, uh, living up to what one would expect. Okay. Yeah. No, thank you very much for that for that for that view. Um, one of the uh, again, one of the critical stakeholders, in my view, um, has the potential to massify the 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 education or to entrench education and narrative in every sector of the society. Um, um, are, are religious leaders. Religious leaders have such an incredible role to play in promoting education uh, because they already have a captive audience, which um, um, from time to time, um, you know, deal with a, vice, a wide range of issues, unemployment, uh, you know, uh, uh, safety issues, and so on and so forth. Surely, um, church leadership or religious fraternity as a whole has got a role to play in elevating education uh, um, uh, to a point where we, we can all benefit. Before you before you respond to that, uh, let's take a break. We'll come back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 14 to 7. It's amazing how time fly. Indeed, it's a beautiful day in the studio. Tonight, I'm joined by Mzo Nganga, who is the specialist in parent and community involvement. Tonight, we're getting a rather in-depth understanding of some of the barriers which affect uh, parental involvement. But we all understand that education is a responsibility. Talking of responsibility, before we went to the break, I made mention of one critical stakeholder, which is uh, religious uh, organization or religious bodies as such. And in my sense, they have such an incredible role to play insofar as elevating and promoting education uh, as part of their daily uh, narrative. And, and so you want to you wanna share your view? Do you see more and more educa- um, religious um, bodies participating in the kind of work that you do? Uh, if yes, uh, if no, why? Uh, to start off, uh, Nimrod, you know, the church is a very uh, significant institution in our communities. Uh, that is a well-known fact. There is no community that doesn't have a church. Uh, but but you're not talking about the one that feed people rats and doom. Ah, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. You see, each and every community has got a, a church. Uh, 
Now, are the churches involved in, in, in education and, 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 and why, if they are not, why are they not involved? My view is that they are not as involved as we would expect them to be involved. There are very, very few churches that have an education uh, program. Uh, as part you know of their of their annual plans for instance and 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 the main thing is that you know with our institutions they tend to just focus strictly on their mandate on their core business and we know what the core business of the church is but i think there is a lot of potential within the church okay, okay, okay. Let, let me throw a spell in the works there i mean if church leaders don't promote education as part of the of part of their core business how people the contribution you know um how do they surely if you have fewer people who are who are who are employed it means your contributions are, are thinner your tithes are not are not paid surely um it it has to be your core business because the more uh, you talk about education the more people get employed the more you talk about entrepreneurship and everything economical uh, the spin off will sustain church from contribution uh, and tithe uh, uh, and, and other activities. Surely that's, mm. that, that should be a, yeah. a, not a, a, a clear trajectory. Yeah, you are quite right, uh, Nimrod. But not just the churches, we all stand to benefit from an educated society <laughs> to start with. You know, I think that's the, that's the starting point. And, and the churches, of course, they should see it as their mandate to, you know, to be involved in education. But unfortunately, people are not looking that far, you know. They don't see um, education as an investment. Look at the area of early childhood education. It's all, it is only in recent years that people have started to see it as a real investment into the future of the country, a real economic investment. Because just to give you an example, the countries that invest in early childhood education, they have better uh, economic prospects in the long run. So even the churches, they should start to see it in that way, but not just the churches, but also other stakeholders in the community. And another thing is the very people that are involved in education, take, for instance, your teachers. The schools, the teachers, the principals are supposed to approach the, 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 the churches. Are they doing that? You know, because they are the ones who are, directly involved in education. They are supposed to identify the stakeholders that have the potential to assist. So the church is a very, very strategically positioned institution within the community that can be of assistance to the schools. Even the um, the school governing bodies that we talked about earlier, they are very well placed in the community. They are members of the community don't you think that they should identify the community stakeholders that can be of assistance to the schools within the community? So, yes, indeed, churches have a significant role to play, but we have to support them. Let's meet them halfway. Let's identify them. Let us approach them, you know, and and, and find ways in which we can bring them on board. Sometimes that's all you need, Nimrod, is to unlock the potential of people to unlock the potential of institutions you Absol- see to see common interest absolutely talk yeah. of common interest one of the critical stakeholders that uh, we often take for granted or ignore um, its its potential is that of taxi association it's a billion rand institution 
with huge prospects of um, supporting education um, um, endeavors and so on. In your experience, do you have any associations that you've worked with that have either, you know, made contribution towards education via um, bursaries or contribution mm-hmm. in terms of food scheme and stuff like that? Is there anything that the taxi associations or the taxi communities or whole is doing in supporting education? Yes, uh there is quite a lot, you know, that um, some uh, taxi associations are doing throughout the country. I may not know all of them, but there are a few examples, you know, even here in, in Gauteng. Uh, there was a recent study that I came across in which um, it was alluded that there are certain taxi associations that are supporting uh, schools in their community. In some instances, they even transport uh, parents, community community members, free of charge, to places where there But how is come we don't know about these good things? I mean, all our bad things about taxis. Yeah, that's why we all have to take uh, uh, the blame, you see? Instead of blaming the churches, for example, what are we doing? Have we approached them? Instead of saying the taxi uh, business is a multi-billion business, instead of just saying that, have we tapped into their resources, you see? All of us must take responsibility because earlier in this show we said that um, education is a societal issue. So we cannot just sit and say, uh, what is the taxi association doing? Uh, What are the churches doing? What are the traditional leaders doing? I think the question is, what bridges are we uh, we building uh, in order to have ongoing conversations, in order to have ongoing sharing of resources uh, with all these uh, community structures. So yes, the taxi association is 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 doing uh, quite well in supporting schools. And I recently heard that um, there are taxi associations that are offering bursaries, you know, to high school children, even to 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 learners who have passed grade twelve, so that those learners can go to university. That is done by taxi association. But unfortunately, as you write quite correctly pointed out, we don't hear quite often about uh, those kinds of uh, involvement from, from, from the side of the taxi association as well as the other community stakeholders. And that is an unfortunate part. Thank you very much, a specialist in parent and community involvement in education. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there for tonight. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on board, and I'm sure we have learned a thing or two about the role of parents and community involvement in education. As you have correctly pointed out, education is everybody's responsibility. We all have to get our hands dirty for without uh, you know, education, we are all doomed. Until we meet again next week, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, good, good evening.